talents are the currency of life. The currency of life. The truth is they're very powerful. Stories are great motivators. Anybody else like me, when you hear a really good story, you get sucked in? I'm not talking about stories that don't mean anything, but I mean a good story. When you hear a, a good story, you get sucked in. You get lost. Your attention all of a sudden is undivided and you're captivated by it. Stories, good ones, affect us. There's something in us that is drawn to them. Stories are known to move people to tears. Anybody cried over a story before? Sometimes they can even move you to fears. Other times they can educate. Sometimes they can move you to action. Sometimes they're just pure entertainment. There's no escaping stories. There's stories all around us. And for the most part, human beings are natural storytellers. Everything turns into a story. And that story becomes proof for us. Concepts are not enough. If you're like me, tell me the story that proves what you just said. Give me the evidence. No story? Matt, no sale. We all like them so much. In fact, some of you, if you don't have a good one to tell, you'll make one up. And depending on what the circumstances are, that may be called lying. It's almost as if we need stories to believe. Like we were made to believe and celebrate and tell stories. I have to believe that God, God wove this into the fabric of humanity because that's how he taught us. He told stories. He told parables, stories that would demonstrate truth, stories, some that would provide warnings, some that would move people to action. That's why most of us, I hope all of us, love Christmas time. Because it is this pile of seemingly random stories that come together in one story. One story that changes everything. A story that puts on display all the things that God wants for us. God wraps himself in flesh. And he comes to live out a physical story that ends up proving the concept. And the concept is his love for us. So for the next few weeks, we're going to celebrate and study stories, the stories of Christmas. And as they dim lights, like this one. We're going to get into uh, our Christmas story tonight, and it's uh, Luke chapter 2. Are y'all excited? We're going to learn about Jesus and what really happened when he came. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign that ye shall receive. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So there's a story that made everything better. 
Jesus came to make things better. Is there anybody that thinks that's amen worthy? Christmas is a time where we celebrate the better that he brought. And, and there's no doubt in my mind, you do the, the story, you do the, the research of this story, and you'll find out when Jesus showed up, things were pretty bad. They are pretty bad all around. God's people were oppressed. They were overtaxed by the Roman Empire and their government. There was, when Jesus showed up on the planet, there was instability in the government that ruled them. There was internal fighting and personal motives and agendas and power-hungry leaders with little or no regard for the people that they governed. It was bad. It was even bad in the church that the people went to. The church was dead. It was ritualistic. There was no active voice of God. It wasn't like when you walked in here today. They didn't feel him. They didn't hear him. In fact, that had been the case for almost 400 years. 400 years, there was no active or prophetic word of God. They were led by, let's just say it, let's call them what Jesus called them, hypocritical leaders that were more in tune with their own power than they were with, with, with preaching and telling the, the truth of God's word. In a nutshell, you could say that when Jesus showed up, hope was a little bit of a rare commodity. Hope was something that people desperately were looking for. Hope was something that, that nobody could find. But when we take up this text, that little story that was told to those precious little girls, by that time, some angels had been talking to a man by the name of Joseph. And, and an angel had been talking to a young teenager by the name of Mary. And these angels in, that we read in our text, they, they showed up and they talked to some lowly shepherds and declared publicly for the first time, don't be afraid because we're bringing tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They would end their conversation with these shepherds by saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. When you sum it all up with words like good news and great joy and Savior and glory and peace and goodwill, those were words that had not rang out in any angelic voice for years. They certainly had not been spoken to the hearts of men for years. The message was this, if you allow me to paraphrase, those angels had a collective a collective message spoken to humanity that said things are about to get better. I know what they've been in the past and I know the years and maybe even decades and yes, even centuries of hopelessness that have been on the planet. But the angel said there's good news that is coming to earth. In fact, today's the day things are about to get better. Now, there's about five of you that amen that I'm not trying to chide you. It just proves my next point, that this story is overtold to us. This story is kind of old hat to us. It's well-known and well-worn. You think about Christmas. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about angels, and we're going to talk about, about what they said and what they did. But let me just remind you, to a person that's dry and to a person that's hungry and to a person that's hopeless, words from heaven are a big deal. 
when you are in a dark place and when you are in a hopeless situation or a hopeless outlook where you haven't heard or felt or seen the effects of God for some time, when God shows up and speaks the word, it's a big deal. Can I tell you today, it is still the same. I may be preaching to somebody right now. Maybe you feel like you went through 400 years of silence and 400 years of no prophetic word and no action of God in your life. I've got a message for you today. Things are about to get better for you. Jesus has a message to tell you and give you a word from heaven. I've come to make things better. Because where Jesus shows up, it can't help but get better. When Jesus shows up, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Things get better. The reason Jesus was born, because things needed to get better then. And things need to get better now. And they did get better. Because light came to darkness. Somebody say amen. Healing came to sickness. Peace came to turmoil. Hope came to worry. Truth defeated lies. Life overcame death. And that was the story that is of Christmas and times past. And it is the story of today. What do you do with a story like that? What do you do with a powerful story that can move you to clap your hands and move you to respond and move you to be excited and move you to say amen? What do you do with the story of a God that wraps himself in flesh and comes and makes things better? Here's a question I have for all of us today. What would happen if we made a difference because of the difference that he made? I wonder what would happen if because of the difference that, that God has made in our lives, we would turn and make a difference all around us. What if because he made us better, we could make things better around us? Is there anybody? Could I tell you that if you've got Jesus on the inside, there is something that drives you to make things better around you. When you've got the power of the Holy Ghost working in your life, when you have tasted it seen that the Lord is good when your sins have been remitted from you as far as the east is from the west. It's not something that you can contain and keep in yourself. You've got to share it with somebody else. I would dare preach to you for a moment and tell you, you can't have the difference that Jesus makes without making a difference in the world that Jesus created. I'm preaching to some difference makers here today. Somebody say, I can make a difference. Now, what is better? What is better? What is better? On, on first glance, better sounds relative. Better sounds, well, that's a, that's a matter of opinion. It depends on what you're talking about. What do you mean, what is better? I mean, something could be better to somebody and not as good as the other. And, and, and on, the, on the surface, in a shallow sense, that may be true. But, but see if you think this is true. Better really is just a difference in the right direction. Better is just a difference in the right direction, not the wrong one. It's not things staying the same. It's not things getting different. It's things moving in, a, it's a difference, whether small or big, whether minuscule or mighty. It is a difference in the right direction. Everybody say, it's a little more. Listen, a little more is better than a little less. Can I get an amen? I'm not trying to trick you. I'm trying to just bring you along with me. A little more is better than a little less. A little more is better than the same, would you say? Look, if you got a good Coke Zero, a little more Coke Zero is better than a little less Coke Zero. 
If you got a little more coffee, it's better than a little less coffee. If you got a little more great turkey dinner that we just had at Thanksgiving, it's better than less. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody say a little more. If I just have a little more, it is better. All it takes to get better is a little more. And if that is true, then I'm going to tell you anybody can make a difference. If all that it takes is a little bit, then anybody can make a difference. I don't care the hell that your job is. You can make a little bit a difference. I don't care how bad your family is. What you need is a difference maker to walk into your family and say, with the power of Jesus, I can make a difference. Somebody say a difference. Man, your marriage may be on the rocks today. That's okay. All you need is a little bit of difference. I, I, I remember that old hymn that said, a little, with God, little is much if God is in it. Anybody remember that one? All you need is a little bit. Somebody say a little bit. A little bit is better. A little bit of the kingdom, a little bit of the effort is better than none. So if the difference is so easy to make, why don't we make it? If, if all it takes is a little bit, then why is, is our community, and, and why, why, is, why is our community not just full, and I would argue there's plenty there's stuff there please don't get me wrong but why isn't there more difference happening if it's so easy i would subject to you there's a couple of reasons number one we're too focused on the difference i want to i want than the difference that i can make we're too focused on the difference that I want versus the difference that I can make. When we talk about, oh, you, you know, yeah, somebody else, the church, anybody ever said the church really ought to make a difference? Man, the church ought to make a difference. I was talking in class this morning. I got bad news for people that think the church ought to make a difference. You know what the church is made of? <laughs> you. It's you. It's, it's, it's everybody on every pew. The only reason we're called a church is because we all come together as a family. Amen, somebody. We, we're too focused on the difference that we want versus the difference we can make. And so we say we push it off. That's somebody else. I don't have enough time to make a difference. I don't have enough money to make a difference. Come on. Don't say amen. Say it in your mind. Don't say it out loud. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough talent to make a difference. Sometimes we refuse to make a difference because we're too focused on the difference that we want versus the difference that we can make. The second reason. Why we don't tend to make differences around us is because we think, and this is probably larger than the first, is because we think that a small difference is really no difference. I can't make the difference I want to make, so I won't make the difference I can make. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? I, I, I can, I, what I can do will not make anything better. The odds are too great. My, my impact is too small. It will not matter. So I might as well not give the effort. You don't have to raise your hand, but our minds go there time after time after time. I read a story, a, a book. I'm reading a book right now. Uh, and it's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I highly recommend it. Go out and get it. Get it on your Kindle tab. It's great. But I read some math. He was doing some math in his book. And I love it. He said, here's what I'm going to tell you. He, he, he wrote and said, 1% better of anything, doing anything every day in the year. If you can do something 1% better, if you can make something 1% better, more better, because I can't say better, right? More better. Is that good grammar? If you can make something 1% better, 
one day a year. At the end of that year, you have made whatever it is you're working on 37% better. Now, when he talked about 1%, I thought, well, that ain't nothing. But when he said 37%, I thought, now that's a little bit of something. I think, I, I think that's moving the dial there. Here's what he was saying. He was saying, little things make up big things. Come on, y'all follow me right now? Okay, let me give you, let me give you a, a little example. If, if, let's say that we have chilled this room down past freezing. Imagine that you've got an ice cube sitting on the table in front of you. The room is cold enough for it to freeze. We can all see our breath. Everybody cold? Everybody chilly? Okay, we can see our breath. It is currently 25 degrees in here. Ever so slowly, we turn the heat on, and the room begins to heat up. 26 degrees, 27 degrees, 28 degrees. The ice cube is sitting there. Nothing's happening. The ice cube is still sitting on the front of you, 29 degrees, 30 degrees, 31 degrees. Still nothing has happened. Then 32 degrees. And all of a sudden, a trickle of water starts to melt off the side of that ice because a one-degree shift, seemingly no different than every temperature increase before it, has unlocked a huge change. You want to know why? Because the breakthroughs that we want in our lives, they're usually not the result of some big explosion. They're the result of much smaller actions before it. You want to know why churches get miracles? Because there have been thousands of prayers that have been prayed for miracles. You want to know why churches Churches make a difference in their community because year after year and time after time, they invest and they invest. And it seems like it's getting nowhere. But all of a sudden, the next thing you know, the community is rocked and God is glorified. Why? Because there's a church that says, I don't care how small it is. We can make a difference. I don't care if it seems like nothing. <laughs> if nothing's going on, there's something shifting in the spirit. There's something happening in the I'm telling you, you're more important than you think you are. The little bit you think you're doing, God said, I'll take it and I'll magnify it. And what seems like a small step, I'll turn into a giant leap. <laughs> Woo. Here's what I hear the truth of the Lord saying to us. Listen to me very simply. Get ready. Write this down. Do what you can. Pastor, I can't do what all they're doing up there. And I, I can't do, I, I can't help in that way. I can't do that. That's fine. That's fine. Here's what you need to do. What you can. What can you do? I'm tired of telling people, tell me what they can't do. I want to be careful. I'm not mean. I'm not mean. Can I just say that to everybody? I'm not mean. I love everybody. I love everybody to death. But I'm tired of hearing what people cannot do. Somebody jump up and tell God what you can do. Somebody tell heaven, I can't do everything. But here's a couple things that I can do. I dealt with somebody, and this ain't even in my notes. I dealt with somebody involved in ministry in this church. They were sick. And I was trying to get somebody to help them to do the job that they were volunteering to do. And I heard the tears in their voice and said, but pastor, this is what I do for God. What is that? That's a person that says, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I'm going to do it with all my might. You see, this, in the days that we live in, this is the sacrifice that God wants from the church. This is the path. You look, look at Isaiah 58 with me. 58 and 7. And, and, and Isaiah prophesied to Israel that time and said, you know what? You, you're, you're giving penance and, and you're repenting and, and you're fasting and you're going without move. But he said, but, but that's not even the fast that I want from you. 
And here's what he said. He said, here's the fast that I want. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house and give shelter to the poor that are cast out. And that when you see the naked, that you cover him. And not hide yourself from your own relatives and your flesh that need your help. Listen to what God says in his book. He says the sacrifice that God calls for is to, somebody say, share. He didn't ask you to drum up some extra money so you could give away the extra. He didn't ask you to drum up something on the side or or something additional or something in abundance. He said, you know what I gave you? Do you know what I put into your hands? Do you know what I placed in your budget? Do you know what I placed within your resources? Do you know the bandwidth that I gave you as a human being? I want you to take what I gave to you and share it with others that need it. Because when you share what I gave you, you share me. Hello, come on, somebody. That was the whole message right there. You might as well shout on that one. When you find yourself in a position that says, I could keep it, but I'm going to give it away, you're more like Jesus than what you think you are because he could have kept his royalty. He could have kept his dignity. He could have kept his power and authority, but he surrendered it all. Why? Because he saw humanity that needed what he could give. Somebody say, share sacrifice of God is the he said I want them I want them to give the blessing that I gave them I, I want them to give the power that I put in them I want them to give the truth that I showed them somebody say share that's why I think this church can make a difference APC can make a difference I'm gonna keep saying it till everybody says it APC can make a difference. Turn to somebody and say, you are a difference maker. Tell them, say, you are going to make an impact in this city. You are going to make an impact. Souls are going to be born again of the water and the spirit because of what you do. People are going to come to know Jesus because of what you do. These are not parishioners in front of me. These are not members in front of me. These are kingdom difference makers that are sitting in this room. Cedar Ridge is our school in our backyard. God just plopped it there. That's right. And God has given us the opportunity to serve both its staff and its students. Let me tell you my feelings on it. I don't know a better place to influence our community for Jesus than a place, listen to me, that for five days a week, nine months out of the year, interacts, if not all, at least most of the majority of the homes and the families that surround our church, our church building within at least a two to three mile radius. I don't know any other place that has that kind of reach. We are blessed in that Cindy Rogers, who is an embedded social worker in, in, in this room, she, she shared with us that, that there are right now 65 families in our immediate neighborhood that may not have enough groceries to make it through Christmas break. And with the school being closed, the kids are at home. How many know kids will eat you out of house and home? And times are tight. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Things cost more than they've ever cost. Somebody say amen. And these families, many of them depend on school meals to feed their families. 
And that's why on December 17th, in just a couple weeks, these 65 families aren't just going to sit in their houses, but they're going to walk onto the campus of the Apostolic Pentecostal Church. They're going to walk through our community center that we bought, renovated, and put together for our community to impact it for Jesus Christ. And they're going to get some groceries. They're going to get a few gifts to give their kids. And most importantly, they're going to feel the love and care and compassion of God from the people who say, this is where the kingdom resides. They may not know where it is anywhere else, but I'm betting that on the end of the day, on the 17th, they're going to say, I've got an idea where I can find Jesus. I've got an idea where I can find the kingdom. Somebody say the kingdom. Thomas and Tina are twins whose smiles can light up a room. However, they have been personally acquainted with the unfairness of life at a very young age. They lost their dad when they were in elementary school, and their mom fought health battles while doing everything she could to provide for them. Money was tight, and, but the struggles kept coming. And about a year ago, their hearts were shattered again when they lost their mom. Their sweet grandmother stepped in to provide them with a home, but passed away herself a few months later. But their story, with so many bad spots, took a turn for the better when they stepped on the campus of Tupelo Children's Mansion. And this Christmas, they will celebrate their first without all of them. This year, without their parents and their grandmother. But they won't be alone. They will navigate that with the care and the love of the family at Tupelo Children's Mansion. This is one story of two kids among many others. Sad stories. Horrible stories of neglect and abuse and loss and mental health issues. But they all take a turn, the same turn for the better. They all have a line in them at some point. Then they came to Tupelo, and Tupelo does the kingdom's work. It makes things better for these kids. So every year at Christmas, it does not fail. Whether people give or they don't, we make sure we send an offering into Tupelo Children's Mansion. And let me just tell you a little side caveat here. I will serve, I get the opportunity to serve on the board of directors of that, of that orphanage. And I, I'm, I'm on the committee of, of financial oversight. And I see every dollar that walks in that place and walks out and goes into ministry. Let me tell you, there is nothing better you could do with your money than to take care of these kids that have got these terrible stories. What are you going? Are you trying to get a hold of our heart? Yes! Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm trying to tell you some stories. Some stories that are needed around us. Some stories that the kingdom drives us to get a hold of. Some stories that just like Jesus came to make things better, we ought to look at that and say, this cannot stay the same. This cannot stay the way that it is. We've got the ability. We've got the power. We've got the blessing. We've got the ability and the opportunity to make things better. Are there any difference makers in this house? Is there anybody in this house? that says I'm too blessed to turn my eye to what's going on around me. I've got to give myself and my time and my, come on difference maker. We've tried to do the math the best we could. I want you to throw up that QR code. I'm going to let you get your, 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 your phones out right now. Get your phones out. You can look at your phones and not pay attention to me while I sit here and talk to you. I won't give you that opportunity many times. But for $150, somebody say $150. Now that's, I know that can be a lot to some folks, but I also know that's not very much to some folks. For $150, you can help provide groceries and gifts 
for 65 families. And you can give to over 100 orphans at Tupelo Children's Mansion. He said, oh, I can't give all that. I don't have that much. Then here's what I'm going to tell you. Can you do what you can? Can you give some? Because the truth is, some can cover many. Man, God's so quiet. I said, the truth is, some can cover many of these families. Like the widow woman in Luke 24, 21, she cast in two small coins and others cast in much more. The, Jesus said they gave of their surplus, but she gave of her sacrifice. This is part of the difference we can make and the difference that God calls us to make, to make things better around us. This is the fast, the sacrifice that God won. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring to your house and give shelter to the poor? Is it not to clothe the naked? Is it not? Please don't hide yourself from people that have need. That's what God wants his people to do, to make a difference. And let me just tell you, it's, listen, sacrifice does not come without reward. Come on, keep going, just go ahead, keep scanning. But sacrifice doesn't come without reward. Somebody say amen. There's reward to sacrifice. Jesus noticed that woman more than he noticed anybody else. Remember when he said, this is the sacrifice I want. I want you to give to the poor. I want you to clothe those that are naked. I want you to provide those that don't have any. I want you to help folks that are less fortunate than you are. There's a next verse, verse 8. It says, when you do that, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. He said, don't you sit there and live a life that says, that's minuscule and says, I don't have enough. You sacrifice. And God said, I'll pour my glory into your life. Everything that tries to come up from behind you and attack you financially, spiritually, emotionally. He said, the glory of the Lord would be your rear guard. You get sick in your body? Come on. He said, I'll be a healer that heals you. You're too blessed not to make a difference. You'll make a difference where others need it. And God said, I'll make a difference where you need it. Now, if this seems overwhelming or a mountain too tall to climb, then consider this. It's hard to make a difference in the lives around you without the difference in your own life. Let me say that again. It's hard to make a difference in the lives around you. It's harder than without the difference in your own life. Everybody say the difference. See, Jesus, yes, he came to heal all these social ills. But mark my word, he came to save people from their sin. And Jesus' ultimate idea of better was making, say, the difference. Not a difference. The difference. There are those that relegate him to a difference. But the Bible says he makes the difference. Remember what the angel of the Lord said. Fear not, behold, I bring you great tidings of great joy. They shall be to who? All people. He was not just a difference. He was the difference. He wasn't just a savior. Hello? He was the savior. He wasn't just a God. Come on, Rome had all kinds of gods. He was the God. He wasn't just a answer. He was the answer. 
Come on. The, Isaiah wasn't kidding when he said, For under us a child is born and a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's not just a answer. He's the answer. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the answer for everything. And yes, we're going to make a difference around us, but we're going to add the added bonus that when you come in, it's not just groceries, it's groceries with Jesus. It's not just gifts, it's gifts with the Holy Ghost. It's not just a handout, it's a hand up, it's a change in your life. Come on, stand with me right now. When Jesus showed up, hell didn't like it. Oh, yeah. Satan moved leaders to attempt to literally exterminate that baby. But let me tell you what else you learned from this story. When God gets ready to make the difference, he's way ahead of hell. Though hell screams in its fury, God's already got angels in position. He's already got things in motion because you can't stop the difference that Jesus intends to make in a life when there is obedience on the other side. I want to invite you today, twofold. I want to invite you to step out of your seat today and surrender to the difference that you need in your life. But I also want you to surrender and sacrifice and make the difference that you can. Come on, I'm wondering if there's any difference makers, any difference receivers here today. You say, look, that all sounds hard to me. Then let him make a difference in you. I don't know if I can love people like that. Then let him make a difference in you. I don't know if my hurt is, is, is quiet enough for me to quiet it down and do what God wants me to do. Then come to an altar today. Let God make that difference that you need happen so you can make the difference that you need to make happen. Come on, would you raise your hands as they begin to sing and worship? I want you to call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. What is it, God, that needs a change in me? What is it, Lord? What's the difference that needs to happen in my heart? Oh, Jesus, what is it? Come on, some of you are going to receive instruction. Some of you already filled out that thing, and the Lord's going to give you instruction and say, you didn't do that. You didn't do that right. There's more. There's more you've got to do. Come on, the Lord's going to speak to you right now. In the name, I prayed for two things. God, I asked, I asked him today for a miraculous offering, and I asked him for a miracle in people's lives. I asked him to come and to react to what we would do in obedience, that God would pour out even more, that he would let his glory be your rear guard. Come on, this is what's going to happen in this altar service right now. God is going to do a miracle and is going to make a difference in this community. And then at the same time, he's going to make a difference in lives that are standing in this altar today. Come on, is there anybody else? You may want to join in on this. You may want to be a part of this right now. If there's needs in your body, you may want to be a part of this today. You may want to step out of your seat and join the, the scores of folks that are at the front of this building and say, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of making that difference. And I need a difference in my life. I need, I'm hungry. I haven't heard a word in my life in so long. I haven't felt the refreshing of God in my life ever. If it's real, I want to feel it. I want to know it. I want to experience it. Come on, I dare you. Take God and his word today. 
Come on, that's it, saints. Ministry team, begin to pray right now. Come on, begin to pray right now. Hallelujah. Come on, the difference is being made right now. Right now, right now. You can.